Hi, and welcome to episode 282 of No Crying in Baseball, the Embrace the Chaos episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Woohoo. Hey, how's it going? Oh my God, we said the phrase too much baseball <laughs> today. I Lightning should come down and strike us dead, but they're honest to God, is too much to watch today. We can't watch it all at once. Right. And that's that's really the only like stressor, not stressor, but like that's the that's the problem. That it's not that there's too much baseball out there. It's lovely that there's so much baseball it's out there. How do you choose? Right. It's yeah. and, and sleep. When do you sleep? Oh, you gotta choose sleep when sometime too. You have World Baseball Classic games in the middle of the night and very early in the morning, and then spring training during the day. Like I there's just not enough hours. Yeah, I've decided to focus on um pools C and D just because the um the time zones yeah. work in my favor and just sort of like check in on the other pools as we go, um, which are pretty damn exciting. Yes. I just can't I might I just can't do it. I just can't <laughs> physically make myself do it. Oh my god. I liked I, I went back to the old breakfast baseball thing, you know? Yeah. Get up, get ready for work, put the baseball on. And then I might or might not have had the the my phone because the it was blocked on the work network system, but I may or may not have had my phone on the side while working at work with baseball on the phone. Multitasking is what we call that. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And to the taxpayers of my town, mm. I would never ever watch baseball while at work. <laughs> So the taxpayers of our county, I just, I just outed myself. Oops. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. I got I, stuff done. They don't know who you are. They know who I am. That's, That's right. the problem. That's See, right. I would never. I would never. Right. Right. Especially because you have like people from work who listen to us. Right. I'm. Uh, so they say. Yes. All right. Yeah. So never. Here's the test. Here's the test. Yeah. Um. And hey, you know, we're we're recording at noon on Sunday again, so it's it's brunch brunch beverages mm -hmm. instead of happy hour beverages. And you've given me a, with visions of sugar plum canned cocktail from 10th Ward? Yes, it's we yummy. love 10th Ward, a lovely women-owned brewery in Frederick, Distillery. Maryland. Oh, it's shoot. Yeah, yep. that's, that's the word. Distillery. They yes. make alcohol, really good alcohol, and they can cocktails, which I totally appreciate because it makes it so easy. You can also buy bottles from them or go them and visit and have them craft your cocktails. But this is rum and plums and other stuff. And, you know, plum is a brunch yes. brunch food. So I think we're good. It's a health food, really. Yeah. So I think we're in good shape. Absolutely. Have some fruit with breakfast. That makes sure. sense. All right. Here we go. On today's show, we have random boyfriend notes, but not too many because we are super hyper-focused on the World Baseball Classic today. We've got boyfriend profiles for the New York Yankees and for the Atlanta Hammers and so much World Baseball Classic. It's fun and it's chaotic. Cheers. Embrace the chaos. That's my motto these days. Uh, so just a, a couple quick notes about, well, one, not a baseball boyfriend, but might be a baseball boyfriend someday. Eddie Alvarez, who we've talked about before. He wasn't a boyfriend. I looked it up. I really thought he he was, but I don't think. You know think... what? We talked about it um, during the Olympics. Right. That's what it was. Right. Eddie the Eagle. Yeah, because he's the he's the only guy to have been in the Olympics on two totally different sports, being winter and summer, and being a medalist. There we go. Yeah. All right. You you know your very good memory. <laughs> I I didn't do any note checking, except for remembering that he did medal in speed skating, along with being on the silver medal um, U.S. baseball team. But not, not this sport that you're going to talk about. Right. So uh, apparently he wanted to show off his speed skating skills in the Brewers Clubhouse. And so go over to, I think it's the Brewers social media that has this. And he sort of jumps in, rips off his shirt, 
and does a very impressive speed skating loop around the clubhouse with with crazy rollerblades with like big ass wheels on them. I would love to try those out. But he is also wearing tights and a jock strap over the tights. Safety first. So it's a look and it's definitely worth checking out. And, uh, you know, yeah, we're going to have to keep him on, on, on the look for maybe a future boyfriend. Is this what the players who are not in the World Baseball Classic mm. do during spring training? Right. What it's, else is yeah. there to do, really? Yeah, well, there's a lot more room in the clubhouse. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So then, you know, speed a speed skating track seems like the obvious choice. Right. I was kind of impressed that they got that room. Like he could actually do a full loop around and power it into it. Like he was going pretty fast. I think he impressed his te- teammates. Um, not so impressive, but luckily he's okay. Justin Turner, who I had picked as a baseball boyfriend back when he was on the Dodges, um, now on my beloved Red Sox, got hit in the face by a pitch. Very scary. This past Monday in a spring training game against the Tigers. And miraculously, there's. it seems to be, I'm knocking on everything around, no, no major damage, no breaks, no concussion. That He was on a watch for that for a while. He did get 16 stitches. That's a lot of stitches. And it, I mean, just a scary sight. Like, you never, ever want to see that for anybody. They are hoping he can make it back by opening day. It just kind of depends on the the healing. But that's that would be amazing. Yeah, I just want to point out that a lot of MLB teams wouldn't let their players go to the World Baseball Classic because of risk of injuries. Um, And there you go. Spring training, straight up, hitting the face by ball. Yeah, shit happens anywhere. Shit happens. Uh, Corbin Carroll, who I'm feeling very proud of this pick. I picked yeah. him as my D-backs boyfriend this year. Apparently, the D-backs want to shape their restructuring around him. He is signed in. He is locked in for an eight-year, $111 million deal with a, a ninth year for the club option. And, you know, the D-backs have been struggling for a little bit. And it looks like they they know they have this guy who's a high-caliber high, high rookie. Might as well lock him in and plan around him. Right now, he's a favorite for Rookie of the Year. Yay. Look, at, I think you picked somebody right on time. Mm. Not too soon, not too late. Knock on everything. I'm knocking on like, everything. Like, good for you for remembering. Shit. Knock on everything. I, I got know. it. Like, in, like injuries happen. And yeah. Yee. All right. I, w- I was going to talk about you know what our boyfriends are doing in the World Baseball Classic, but as you'll find out in about ten minutes. <laughs> We have so many current and former boyfriends in the World Baseball Classic. It's silly to pull some out and talk about them now. So put a pin in that. We'll be back soon after we do our profiles. Yay, baseball boyfriends. We're getting to the end. These are the guys that we pick in the offseason because there's something super cool about them. One guy per team. We've been working our way up from the bottom of the bunch, and we are getting very close to the top. This is our second to last week. And we're on, I realized this when you were doing the intro, like two of our least favorite teams historically, right? Like I had a, a growing up grudge against the Yankees and you had a growing up grudge against the Hammers. And here we are trying to find the good mm-hmm. where we have not found good for many years of our lives. So kind of help my nose. Actually, Mr. Potty Mouth said to me, can't, can't you just get a buy on this one? <laughs> do you have to pick a Yankee? I was you like, absolutely rules, do. rules. And it's good for me. I think it is good for me to see the good in everybody. Right? And, well, and also I think one of the things that we have learned, especially me with the Hammers, is you can hold a grudge against the historic 
team, right. but really appreciate the individual players. Yes. And I absolutely do. Actually, um, guys on the Hammers are some of my favorite players, and they have been for years, but I have a grudge because Cleveland girl. <laughs> but, and that's okay. And I'm going to keep that grudge against yeah. the team as a policy statement, just like, you know, against the Yankees as a policy statement. They're the evil empire. Mm-hmm. But there's some guys, and we like some of the guys. Yeah. And that's okay. Celebrate it. Yeah, some. There, there's, there's definitely been few and far between of Yankees that I really find oh, absolutely man. endearing. I do. I you do only need to find issue. one a year. Yeah. Here we go, though. So I'm going with the youth. So my, my the theme youths. this week are guys that I don't know much about. I, I'm going with 22-year-old shortstops who debuted last year with very vague backgrounds, meaning I don't have a lot to say about them. A little bit um, mysterious. mysterious with the identities because both of them have some confusion about whether they're uh, connected to other famous people, baseball players with the same name. Uh, spoiler alert, they are not. And they're both competing for their jobs. So whether or not I choose them for my final fantasy baseball boyfriend list, I don't know. It's a little risky. I think especially with the Yankees, Oswald Peraza, shortstop, 22 years old. Now, I am 99% sure, and this is one that I really could have looked up, that we saw him when we went to um, Rochester last, oh, last season. Sure. When we saw them play against uh, the, the Yankees. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm but there were two there were two Oswalds and this was my confusion with picking. There's Oswald Peraza and there's Oswaldo Cabrera, who I thought was going to be my pick, but everything I looked at said, especially the very recent stuff, said that Peraza is the one who's been doing well in spring training and he is the most probable starting shortstop with one other like major mm, doubt in it, and that is Isaiah Keener Falefa who was my previous boyfriend, not when he was on the Yankees. I think I picked him from Rangers. Um, And he doesn't have any options. So Keener Falefa is there or they trade him or let him go, right? So that could happen, and they could do that in order to keep Peraza, but we will see. Both Peraza and Cabrera have options. They could be sent back down, as does Anthony Volpe, who I guess is sort of the the fan favorite because he's New Jersey-born and a Yankees guy through and through. So, of course, I have to pick Peraza. He was born (laughs) in uh, June 2000, and he was the first player in to make the Major League lineup for the Yankees born after the year 2000. So he's a baby. So he signed an international signing by the Yankees out of 2016 out of Venezuela. He played for the Pulaski Yankees the year before we went there. I was so hoping that we could say that maybe we had seen him Mm -hmm. there. But he was in Pulaski in 2018, and we were there in 2019. He played a teeny bit in the Venezuelan League. And this is my other, like, all right, there's a little bit of um, fate that I should pick this guy because he picked for – he played for the team that I support, the Cardenales de Lara. He played six games and four hits and four walks. And then was traded to the Leones de Caracas for Andres Jimenez, your your guy from a couple years ago. That doesn't mean a lot when they're not actually playing, but I, I see in a lot of these winter leagues, and this is, happens with my other guy, that they're on the roster. They're there as reinforcements should they want to play for that team, but the actual playing time is, is a little bit short. So he, um, in 2021, went from high A to triple A, And then in 22, in September, he was called up. So he had a pretty fast, you know, in two years, ascension after the the first very few young years when he was in the the low ranks. 
And his first 18 games last September with the Yankees, he hit 306 with a home run and two steals, which is a pretty amazing debut and sort of made a splash and got people's attention right away. He had a three-hit game in one of his first games, um, September 7th versus Minnesota. And his exciting part about that is that his childhood idol was Carlos Correa. And so he said, and this is like the one interview that I- Oh my God, now I feel I, super old. God, that makes yeah, Carlos Correa feel old. I know, right? Jeez. <laughs> yes. But he he got up the guts to go over to him and ask for a picture with him and oh. say like, you're my, he, he literally said to him, you're my idol. Can we take a picture together? And just like that he was total fanboying, you know, when he first came up. I think that's pretty adorable. Um, let's see. What else about him? Oh, Glaber Torres is, is going to be his double, or, you know, one of his double play infield partners and both from Venezuela. And they have spent time together in the offseason. So he's looking for um, some leadership for, for him from, from Glaber, a little mentoring. And Glaber Torres did talk about him referring to him that what he wants is to build his confidence. Like the kid has got all the skills, but he needs that mm-hmm. mental attitude. But he's young. So the relation thing is apparently there is a Venezuelan pitcher whose name is Oswaldo Peraza, and he also played on the Cardinales de Lara at the same time. No relation. So that's what I got for little Oswald, and I'm hoping for the best for him. He, he looks very sweet. Little Oswald. little Oswald. Did you just pat him on the head verbally? <laughs> just just a bit. Just okay. a bit. He's, yeah, he's right around our kid's age. So All right. We're going to get there. Okay. All right. So my theme um, kind of just came out that way. Didn't look for it. Um, center fielders playing for their hometown teams, Aww. which is really pretty great. That's sweet. So um, as Potty Mouth said, sometimes we have a hard time picking players <laughs> on specific teams. Sometimes it's because there are just so many that have already been mm-hmm. past boyfriends and other times it's like, uh, okay, I don't really care for these guys. So, so, so one of the things we do is we pick prospects. The other thing we do is we pick people who are new to the team in other ways, like just got traded. So therefore, Harrison Bader, 28-year-old center fielder mm. for the Yankees. He's a new Yankee. He was a Cardinal for many years. So he grew up, however, in Bronxville, New York, and was a Yankees fan growing up because he was right there. He was right there. His father started throwing him batting practice at age five. Um, He played for years in the East Chester Little League. And even during that time when he was playing baseball all the time, his dad still threw him batting practice every single night. he ended up going to the University of Florida. He was almost a Terp. He almost went to the University of Maryland, but Maryland did not offer him scholarship. And I mean, like he he was a good player, but he wasn't you know big scholarship worthy. But University of Florida gave him a partial, so he went there. But then he was drafted in the third round by in, in 2015 by the Cardinals. So yay! I mean, it turned out great. Yeah, it just was a little bit bad. sketchy starting out. Um, one of the awards that we always look for to kind of prove that these guys are boyfriend worthy is the Heart and Hustle Award. Every team has a has a nominee for that. In 2018, um, Harrison Bader was the Heart and Hustle winner for St. Louis, and that means a lot to us. Um, in 2021, the Cardinals had a super long winning streak that was really exciting, and Harrison Bader wrote a piece for the Players Tribune. Oh, and th- those are fun because those are usually first person pieces. So like, this is what's in my head. This is yeah. what I'm thinking about. And it was about, yay, but we've got to think about what comes next. It's always mm. about what the next thing is. And I wanted to tell you a couple things that he said that really made me happy and really made me feel like, yeah, this is this guy is is boy, is, is is no crying a baseball boyfriend worthy. He says, the fact that me and my teammates can bring joy, real legit Aww. joy, to the lives of people in the city, I value and appreciate that so much. I hold that sacred. 
And then he says, I think the biggest thing for me was just to ask myself on a daily basis what my team needed from me. It was like, if I'm not hitting right now, screw it. I'm going to go make a diving catch or I'm going to get dirty out there. I'll do anything I can to help. I don't care about my stats. I'm going to find a way to do at least one thing well for this team today to help us win. Really liked that. That was the same year he won a gold glove. His zone rating was a 973. That was the highest by any major league outfielder in history since the category um, began being tracked in 1987. So defense is sexy, and he's got that going on. Um, He was traded to the Yankees uh, last August, and his goodbye video to the Cardinals fans was really heartfelt because he'd been there. That's where he grew up, right? You know, his his baseball growing up was all in St. Louis, and he was really tied to the community and tied to the fan base and tied to his teammates, and it was lovely. He was all about, you know, I'm moving on now, but this is amazing. And one of the things that he said was the fan base is so dedicated and so excited that sometimes the noise in the in the um, ballpark made his jersey vibrate (laughs) i love that i love that about a fan base and i love that that's meaningful to the players as well okay so he's traded to the yankees last august and immediately had the fastest sprint speed on the team at 29.1 feet per second so fleet of foot is also pretty fun um so he was there you know just in time for the playoffs he hit Three home runs in the first four games of the ALDS, and then one in game one of the ALCS, which made him the only Yankee to ever hit four home runs in six games of postseason play, ever. And then he hit another one in game four. So why not, right? Wow. Unfortunately, just this past week, because things happen in spring training, not just in the World Baseball Classic, he has an oblique strain, which is going to have him out for maybe up to six weeks. He won't be on the opening day roster, but he'll be back. He'll be back. Here's the things that I think you're going to appreciate, Potty Mouth. Here's what he does for his community. So in January of 2022, there was a teacher shortage. I've heard about that. (laughs) You may have. And this was happening locally around Mm -hmm. St. Louis. A lot of it was COVID-related. He volunteered as a substitute PE teacher. Oh, my God. (laughs) Substitute PE teacher for an elementary school just outside of St. Louis. And so not only did he do that, the whole feet on the ground thing that we care about, but all of a sudden that need for people to be substitutes to step in and help their local schools got amplified by that like school districts were like were sending out here's what's required to be a substitute teacher you want to you want to do this here's how you get a hold of us wow and if you luck out you could be in the same building with Harrison Bader (laughs) well he just did it the one time but but also he really he everything he does seems to be for kids right Mm -hmm. so I told you then he was on this like Eastchester Little League um, in the, in, when growing up, he keeps giving back to the little leagues. He he that particular one, like he'll That's go awesome. back and participate in, in winter clinics. When the Cardinals were visiting City Field, he the the little league, the whole Eastchester Little League came out to a game Aww. to hang with him and to and to root him on, even though he was you know with the Cardinals at that time. Um, he does clinics at the schools where he grew up. Wow. So he's like always like feet amazing. on the ground, feet on the ground. And he even, he, in one of the videos about that, it was really thanking the sponsors that, that work with him. You know, mm. he's got these, you know, sponsorships with mm-hmm. because they help make those clinics possible. They make sure there's supplies, there's um, giveaways for the kids. They go home with backpacks and sporting equipment and all of those things because of the sponsors. But he made sure he looped all of that in together as one whole thing. Another thing he did was um, there's a, a nonprofit in St. Louis called Lift for Life Gym, 
which is basically an after-school program for at-risk kids. Give them a place to go and hang and do physically healthy things as alternatives to, you know, getting in trouble. Um, Strengthening their bodies, enrich their minds, develop healthy social relationships, learn to make positive life choices is what they say on their website. So he provided... I mean, kids are just in that program, tickets to the game, met with them pregame. Again, you know, puts money out there, but also puts his feet on the ground. And aside from all that, he's also Chachi's cousin. So take that as however you want. But anyway, <laughs> I'm, oh, so Qhar, Qhar. Wait, he, I, I was just going to say, for those who aren't of a certain age as us, <laughs> Chachi was Scott Bayo back in the Happy Days time. And yeah. there was a brief spinoff called Joni and Chachi, I believe. Yeah, something like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but Happy See, I was going to use that as a screening tool to find out just how old that's, our listeners are. But that's okay. Um, but also, if you don't know what Happy Days is, then I can't so, help you. So um, he had glorious Qhar. Yes, he did. With the Cardinals. Of course, he had to get a haircut with the Yankees. But he somehow made that look good. So if we're if we're defining Qhar as good looking hair and not only good looking long hair, I think he's still got numbers. They're lower than they were, but he's still, right. still he's wearing it well. Yeah, that's so that's he does not look like a cop or a marine. Yeah, power. That's impressive for for changing over to the Yankees and being able to pull that off because that is definitely one of those things that I will continue to hold oh, against sure. the Yankees. Oh, for sure, as proof that Who they're the, the heck are you? Yeah, yeah. like let people wear their like how what does hair have to do let with the baseball? Hair be free. And I would actually argue that hair can positively influence baseball if you get to wear your hair the way you want to wear your hair. So let your freak flags fly, not fry, fly people. All right, over to the hammers, a guy who who also has short hair, but is, I think, also Q-heart. Like, he has quality short hair. Von Grissom, another younger, another young gun, another shortstop at 22 years old, who at this point is vying for shortstop, although he's looking like he's a pretty pretty secure thing. Um, competing with Orlando Arcia, who we all know that both these guys are trying to fill Dansby Swanson's absence, which was a hard hit for Hammers fans. Um, although, in, in an inter- right after I typed in, in the notes that he's going to fill B- Dansby's shoes, I saw an interview with Vaughn saying, I'm not trying to fi- fill anybody's shoes. I'm just trying to be my own best player. So whatever. This, that's what he has to do. He is, was born in 2001, January 5th, 2001. So getting so much closer to the age of our offspring. And his high school teammate was Riley Green. And I didn't look at which episode it was, but I talked about Riley this very season because he is my pick for the Tigers. The two of them went to high school together and middle school together. And they were just baseball buddies pretty much growing up playing, playing baseball together. And as, once again, I couldn't find information about Von Grissom's family, just like I couldn't find um, Oswald uh, Peraza's family, he talked about Riley's family and how Riley's dad and I talked about this when I was talking about Riley was was a hitting coach and helped both of them sort of through Mm -hmm. this time so I'm not so sure about Vaughn's family but he said that for Riley he really feels like he's his brother and if you look at the social media for either one of them there's a lot of retweeting of the other one's accomplishments especially as they were being brought up So Vaughn was drafted 11th round out of high school by the Hammers, turned down a commitment that he had with Florida International University, and he played some winter ball. So the first thing that I saw was that he was in Puerto Rico both, well, so this is a little fuzzy. He was listed on the rosters 
for the Creos de Caguas in winter of 1920, and then he was traded officially the, to the Ateneses de Manati for the following year, but I couldn't find any actual stats for the game, so I don't know how much he played. And I was wondering what the Puerto Rican connection was, and it turns out that his mother is Puerto Rican. Um, although her great-grandfather was from Barbados, and then they moved over to Puerto Rico. He is no relation to the Atlanta former outfielder of, who, who, of our era, Marquis Grissom, uh, although that's batted along a lot. So he was invited by the GM uh, Eduardo Perez to play for Team Puerto Rico for the World Baseball Classic, and I don't think it got further than that. And I don't know whose decision that was, but maybe as he gets his chops and some more time in the big leagues, we can check on him on the next round of the World Baseball Classic. He debuted at beloved Fenway Park in August last year, 2022, and in his debut game, he went two for four, the first hit that he got was in the seventh inning. He jumped on the first pitch and had a two-run home run over the green monster, which is just, that's that's a mark when you're at Fen Fenway Park. To hit a home run over the green mon monster is a fabulous, beautiful Welcome thing. to the show. Yeah, and and yeah, they, they beat my beloved Red Sox in that game. He also stole a base in that game. So he became the youngest player on record in either the NL or the AL, which is the new way of saying we're not counting the, the Negro Leagues in these, in these stats because mm -hmm. they do count in MLB stats now, to both homer and steal during his debut, and his family was there in the stands. All that low profile that they have, they were out there. <laughs> so in 2022, he played 41 games. His average was 291 with a 793 OPS. And most of those games, despite the fact that they're talking about him being short, starting shortstop for this season, he played last year at second because he came in because of Ozzy Albee's injuries. At the time he was called up, he had not played AAA. Not only had he not played AAA, but he had only played 22 games at AA. So in 2019 was his rookie season. Then there's 20 where he didn't play, nor did most minor leaguers. 21, he was in low A and high A. And then from 2022, he moved from high A to double A to this debut. He did play shortstop when he was in high school in most of the minors, so that does make sense coming up. So it looks like the uh, Atlanta team are putting their apples in this basket and put some time this offseason with him training one-on-one -on -one with their, their wizard of a bench coach, uh, third base coach, sorry, Ron Washington, who apparently has been an amazing mentor for a lot of their players, including Ozzie Osby's and Denzi Swanson and Freddie Freeman, a couple of few boyfriend names there. So he spent a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with him in the offseason and hoping that that, you know, pays off. Also, he seems to be best buddies with the National League Rookie of the Year, who I think you're going to hear a little more about in just a moment, Michael Harris II. And Michael Harris, despite the fact that I couldn't find much directly from, from Vaughn, Michael Harris said he's a hard worker, and I think his personality, it just sticks out. He's a funny guy, he's always goofy, and he's just him. He doesn't try to change for anybody. 
I think that makes him a fit at shortstop for us. So, you know, I'm all for the goofy, funny guys. That's kind of like my alley. So I figure that's a little extra, you know, ammo toward this baseball boyfriend pick. And the one video when I was dying, like trying to find an actual interview with Vaughn about his background, I found an interview on YouTube that you have to see because it's him interviewing Michael Harris oh, II. No. And it's really adorable because he is a very good interviewer. And Michael Harris's comment to him was, your brain doesn't allow you to not be funny. <laughs> so he, he's a character in the interview. And uh, I don't know, they're buddies. So looking yeah, they forward are. to seeing them together. We like it when our boyfriends are buddies. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to point out for those of you who are new listeners that it's a style choice for us not to address <laughs> the Atlanta team by uh, yeah. its current given name. Uh, so we refer to the Atlanta baseball team or Atlanta, or we refer to them as the Hammers because if they want to honor Henry the Hammer Aaron, what better way to do it than call themselves the Hammers? So you may hear us say Hammers, and you know what team we're referring to, the ones whose name shall, you know, it's like Voldemort. Right. Thank you. Yep, for sure. So um, Michael Harris II, 22-year-old center fielder. Speaking of um, very specific ages, he's almost exactly one month younger than our intern. Younger. Younger. Oh, hey. Yes, for sure. Uh, So Keeping with my theme, Michael Harris II grew up just outside of Atlanta and was an Atlanta baseball fan forever, forever. His dad was a baseball player in college and he coached his little league teams. His mom was a special, is a special ed teacher and played softball. And he refers to her as his mental coach. She was always there for all like the mental preparation. So he had, he had the, um, the goods really from both sides of the family there. His dad said, my, my goal was to push him as hard as I can until he stops loving the game, and then I'll stop pushing. But he never stopped loving the game. Pretty cool. Yep. His mom referred to him as the poster child for the terrible twos. <laughs> so they actually got him into baseball as a three-year-old just because he was all energy. If you, do you remember when our kids started playing soccer and they, when they were very, very small and they largely sat in the dirt? Yes. And play? Michael... Harris II apparently picked a lot of flowers really? in the outfield when he was three and four. Okay. And his coach would say, hey, go get the ball. And he'd say, no, I'm making these flowers. That's that's wild because in, in the interview with Von Grisham, Von asked him, how old were you when you hit your first home run? And he said, five. And he's like, okay, wait a minute. I mean, your first over-the-fence home run. And he's like, well, five or six. So yeah, maybe yeah. he picked up a little bit after three. For sure. And like I said, he was a Hammers fan his whole life. It followed all the Atlanta teams. You know, sports fan across the board. You'll hear a little bit more about that later. But one of the things that he says now is he saw the impact that his sports heroes had on the city. And he wanted to do that, too. That's cool. It wasn't just, I love baseball. I want to be a baseball star, like a five-year-old would say. He kind of grew into it seeing the bigger effect mm-hmm. of being good at a sport, getting to, to earn a living at the thing that you love, but also help those around you. I love that that happened so early for him. Yeah. You mentioned Marquise Grissom. Marquise Grissom coached Michael Harris in, for, during summer ball while he was in high school. And so he, he's also an Atlanta guy. He, he lives there as well. And he said, you could tell right away he was special in the way that Barry Bonds and Jim Tomey were special. Wow. So like as a as a teenager, he's like, yeah, this kid, this kid. Michael Harris II also went through MLB's RBI program. That's the, you know, the the, the baseball and inner cities program to help mm. encourage more African Americans to play the game. 
uh, one of the things that Grissom said was, as you get better, baseball gets more expensive. Yeah. And if you don't love it and you can't afford it, sure right. is easy to kind of fall out of it. So these programs are really impressive. And now you can hold up, you know, Rookie of the Year Michael Harris as, as a product of going through MLB's RBI program. He wore his Atlanta jersey um, under his cap and gown for graduation. <laughs> and he was scouted as a pitcher. Well, in high school, he was a very good pitcher, but he was so fast on the bases that the teams were looking at him more as a batter because get him on the base and all that. So right out of high school, in fact, I don't know if wearing the Atlanta jersey had anything to do with it, but he was drafted in the third round by Atlanta in 2019 right out of high school, which made him three years younger than the average high A player. Even though he was so much younger, he was still voted the best defensive outfielder in that particular division. The 2020 season actually weirdly kind of worked in his favor. You know, a lot of minor leaguers had no season, mm-hmm. had nothing. He was invited to spend the summer at the alternate training site where there were players from all levels of the minor leagues as well as major league players who were rehabbing there, and Nick Marcakis is one of them. So in playing inter-squad games, he was playing at a higher caliber than he would have if he just had hit another high-A season. So mm-hmm. he said, I think that actually helped me develop my skills more. He also, I uh, had a quick call up. He was called up from double A. Oh, wow. Right to, right to the bigs. And his parents tell the story of, they, it was already bedtime. They were both in bed. They each had their cell phones and both of their cell phones rang. And he, Michael had called both of them individually because he wanted them both to be on the phone at the same time. He didn't want the speakerphone stuff. He wanted them both on their own phones at the same time. And he said, I got news for you. And they said, oh, you're getting called up to AAA. And he was able to say, nope. Wow. I'm going all the way up. I'm going all the way up. That's crazy. Yeah. So pretty, pretty darn exciting. Um, that was also the time, like this is May 2022, that the Atlanta season turned around. If you remember, they did not start out well right. last season, and they had this miraculous turnaround. Don't know if it was coincidence mm-hmm. or if it was cause, but it was right about the end of May when Michael came up that things started turning around. His season ended up having he had 19 home runs, 20 stolen bases, and, of course, Oof. ended up as the National League Rookie of the Year. His closest competition was his teammate, pitcher, Spencer Strider. They were the first one, two in the voting in the same team since 2011 when it was Craig Kimbrell and Freddie Freeman. Really? Wow. Yeah. There's a couple right? names. And Ooh. already during his rookie season, yeah. he got an eight-year, $72 million contract extension. That was in August. His nickname is Money Mike, not for that, but because of his clutch hitting. Apparently, he's money. He loves to play games. He's really good at golf. He's pretty good at bowling. Hmm. In fact, he just uh, went over to one of Mookie Betts's. Uh, I was gonna say like, bowling fundraisers, right? Mookie. He's a pool shark, uh, and uh, says I like cornhole, but it's hard. It is hard. So <laughs> I agree. But, but he's a big game player. One of the things that we point out about the, these younger players, especially like rookie level, is usually the volunteer work, the philanthropy they do, is through their their teams foundations because they haven't been around long enough or they don't have right. you know the, the funds or whatever to do their own thing so he's done a couple of a little bit of both like through the atlanta team foundation he did a day of service at a local school did children's hospital visits over the holidays all of those wow. things but then just this past december he founded the catch 23 foundation really? which is a community-based foundation in atlanta 
And the description says they're focused on um, combating the stigma of mental illness, eradicating the growing problem mm. of homelessness, and promoting diversity and inclusion. His first fundraiser was called Balls and Strikes. And yes, it was a bowling <laughs> fundraiser. And yes, his pal Von Grisham was there. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah. And he, they, they do seem to really have quite the they're nice so cute. rapport. He's the, that's the second quote today from a boyfriend saying that they don't care about their statistics. He said, I don't care about goals statistically. I just want to give back to my city. Wow. I texted Potty Mouth this morning saying I'm weeping into my coffee. Yeah. I watched this 20 minute video about his journey, which had some of these stories that I just told you. And I just ended up with how can you not be wow. romantic about baseball? Because this is such a good story. He's such a good kid. He does seem like a really good kid. But you got to see this interview because one of the questions too that, that Von Grissom asked him was, um, what other team would you play for if you weren't for Atlanta? And he was kind of like, no, <laughs> like I'm not answering that question. Yeah. It's Atlanta. This is my team. This is my city. I, He's Atlanta 120%. His second choice is to be a, a, a veterinarian. Oh, that's cute. Really? I mean, <laughs> that's where he is. Hey, next week, our final week, <gasps> when we record from Miami, we'll yes. be talking about boyfriends from Houston and the Dodgers. Whoa. Whoa. And that's it. And then we go to pitchers. Then we go to pitchers. Yes. Hey, there's some other baseball happening. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. It's been a crazy couple of days. If you guys aren't watching the World Baseball Classic, get on really fast, especially so that you can wave to us when we're in the stands in Miami next weekend for two quarterfinal games and a semifinal game. And one of my predictions has already been blown. I'll get to that in a minute. So baseball boyfriends, we sort of had to look at where these guys are that we picked so that which teams should we be rooting for? And according to the complete count, we have 13 guys on the U.S. That should be our team, but it's not going to be because bacon. And this is, Infill Fly Girl, I think, is the first one to point it out that the USA logo just... I thought that was me. Was it? Well, I don't know. Okay. I pointed it out. I, 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 yeah. All right. I, I saw it from it's her okay. and maybe heard it from you, you at know, around so the same time. It's so obvious that I think there may it be is. hundreds of thousands of right. us noting that it's a bacon logo. Yeah. It's, I'm not going to get any U.S. merch. Well, I'm not going to get the merch, but it doesn't mean I'm going to root against the U.S. team. Yeah, so we'll see who they're against. I don't think it's intentional bacon. Yeah, it's not <laughs> intentional bacon. It definitely isn't, right? It could be veggie bacon. Who knows? We have 12 guys on the DR and 12 guys on Venezuela, which makes things complicated because I really like Puerto Rico because Kike and other guys and the Rubios, the blonde hair, it looks super cool, but only two out of the three of those are going to make it out of that pool this weekend. So we're only going to see two of them next weekend. There are several teams that we are not having with that we don't have any boyfriends on. Zero boyfriends on Great Britain, Nicaragua, Australia, China, and Czech Republic, probably because they just don't have a lot of MLB players. And we'll see. The only out of the, that group, I mean, who knows? Great Britain just started, but uh, Australia, we'll see what happens. I have enjoyed watching morning baseball and I've also enjoyed the the environment, the 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 vibe in Japan and Taiwan. And as excited as I am about Miami and as I know it's going to be kick ass cuz it's going to feel like we're in the Dominican Republic or Venezuela and that kind of games, Japan and Taiwan and especially Taiwan have such a crowd energy. It's so loud. There's so much going on. You have the cheerleaders, you have instruments. Everybody knows the songs. All the, you know, teams have songs. And I recognize, like, watching the, the games in Taiwan, I recognize some of the cheers. There's just nothing that 
organized, I feel, like anywhere else. So, so USA, USA. Right. It's not quite enough for you. Not quite. Or let's go X team. Like that's um, that's the chant that we have in this country. Like every team has the same let's go, uh-uh, let's go. Do we know for <laughs> right. sure that's not what the fans of other teams are saying I, in languages that we just don't know? I can sort of tell by just the, the rhythm and the tone. Like it's they're different. They have right. different music. They, yeah, I, they're just a little bit more creative. So we have got to uh, wake up here in MLB land. So as of the time recording, which is Sunday, as we said, brunch, brunch. Uh, I like that you raised your yes, cocktail I, when I, you I'm said like, brunch. My almost empty cocktail is, is the point right here. Um, except for I do have to finish this before we put breakfast beer in there. Anyway, Pool A just ended before recording, which is why oh I might gosh. be a little bit more frazzled oh to begin with. So and excited. Pool B ends tomorrow. So Pool A, heretofore known as the Chaos Pool because chaos happened. They all tied. Like all the, th- they were talking about this a couple of days ago. Like what if team this beat this team and then everybody's going to be tied two and two. And that is what happened. They were all tied up after Italy gloriously beat the Netherlands and, and apparently knocked them out is what the result was. Well, they did, in fact. And 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 who was the star of that show? Would it mm. be would it be my my current Royals boyfriend? It would be Nikki Lopez. <laughs> Nikki Lopez. Nikki Lopez, they they mentioned him on the record on the recording, on the, the broadcast, that thing. I'm at the end of the cocktail, that's why. Um, as the RBI machine. So Nikki Lopez Last complete season with the Royals had 20 RBI. He has seven so far with the World Baseball Classic. That's like in a matter of days, he has seven RBI. He is also leading, at this point of recording, he is leading all, you know, so only his pool has done four games, but still, leading all of World Baseball Classic in hits with eight hits. Nicky Lopez, who would have predicted it? My guy on Italy, uh, Vinny Pasquantino, Hasn't been doing terrible, but not not at the Nicky Lopez level, which is definitely not what was predicted. And my read on that is that Vinny needs a mustache because oh. the successful Italian players, they, they all have this like little, what do you call those pencil mustaches? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, like very Italian style mm-hmm. pencil mustaches. The ones who have it are doing better. And Vinny needs to just grow his fucking mustache. Like get with the program. If you're on Puerto Rico, you dye your hair. If you're on Italy, you need the little pencil thin mustache. And they have an espresso machine in the dugout because Italy. In the dugout. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so maybe that's where they get their extra pop from. <laughs> Just a little bit of espresso between innings. So w- how did we decide, how did we, the, the powers that be, the mathematicians really. So after all the play was done and all the teams were tied at two in pool A, it had to be solved by math. So what they did was they divided. They called an Iron Man. They, absolutely. Runs allowed, divided by defensive outs was the first equation that they had to do. And apparently at that point, yeah, runs allowed divided by defensive outs. So that is basically, yeah, it's basically defense, which is interesting. Like that the first line of what happens next after the games are tied is how sexy your defense was. And then if that had tied up, which it didn't. So at that point, Italy and Cuba got to move on. Netherlands got toasted because they had broken up and broken out in the beginning. And then if they had won this game, they would have gone. But they did not. Apparently, Netherlands, and this is, I had predicted them to go on. 
only looking at the hitting, which of course they have some mighty impressive people there, Reed Zander Bogarts, Jonathan Scope, Anderson Simmons, uh, the list goes on. But they their pitching was sad, so oh, sad no. today. Just no bullpen. The starter did not hang in there. So that's why Netherlands is out. If they had been still tied up after that math, math equation, they would have had to go to the second equation, which would have been earned runs divided by defensive outs. And then the third level is team batting average. So, so much math involved. What I'm picturing is a, a dartboard with sticky notes mm-hmm. on it with various statistics. And then someone, perhaps a rookie, right. just you know, <laughs> blindfolded yeah. and throwing darts. And whatever they land on, it's like, we'll pick this one and we'll divide it by that one. Sure. Right. Somebody made this stuff up. Why not? Yeah. Are you ready for more cocktail? Oh, sure. I okay. could do that. All right. So the, I was all pro-chaos. I was so excited oh, about yeah. this. You know, it seemed like until I realized, and too late, like any, I have any power of it, that it screwed Taiwan, mm. unfortunately, because their stats were the last in chaos. And so not only that, so not only they come in last, but what that means is they don't automatically qualify for the next World Baseball Classic. So they have to play because, in. Yeah, to, they have okay. to do a qualifier. Because they the f- top four teams in each pool automatically get in the next round the next four four out of five yeah wow so it's that fifth team yeah that has to go through the whole qualifying thing so sadly team taiwan is out but ironically yu chang baseball boyfriend of mine got a grand slam in this game in, in the taiwan game over the netherlands set the taiwan record with eight rbi and ended up the pool mvp so the 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 team that got uh, delegated, what relegated isn't going to go on. That team, the bottom team, has the MVP for the pool. Well, there's no I in team. I mean, <laughs> he couldn't do it all himself. Yeah. He tried. He did. He clearly tried. He did. There are a couple yeah. other good guys there. And just as a little bit of review for those of you out there watching, you might not um, understand why you don't actually see Taiwan listed in the countries played because. Uh, due to the powers that be of China, they're forced not only to, to use the name Chinese Taipei, but their flag isn't even on there. It's this weird, like, Olympic little symbol that's not even the flag of Taiwan, which is an actual country. And it, and it super sucks because they were hosting. So there was weird stuff going on on the broadcast with them saying, like, here we are in Taiwan at the Taiwanese stadium with Team Chinese Taipei or these fans in Taiwan rooting on the, it's just not fair. It's not fair. And don't buy the merch because the merch says CT and they are not CT. They are Team Taiwan. Anyway, there's plenty of good Taiwanese teams that you should support and buy their merch, but I would not buy the World Baseball Classic merch. And God knows we are going to be buying some World Baseball Classic merch. Next pool, Pool B. So this ends tomorrow. So we don't know who's going on besides Japan. Oh my God! I'm, I'm so they're undefeated, right? They they, yep. they they play all four of their games already. Yep. Yep. And, and they they're all four and zero, and they are so solid. And we are definitely not going to see them because we're going to see the runner up. So whoever else makes oh. from from the 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 between pools A and B, whoever comes second to Japan will come over for our semifinal. So we don't know who that is. Um, I don't, maybe, with a miracle, it could be the Czech Republic. They are everybody's like favorite underdog at this point because they are this, uh, you know, conglomeration of, uh, what Guys is it? with day jobs. Yeah, firemen, uh, neurosurgeon, uh, school teacher. That great like, headline about Shohei Otani, you know, struck out by an electrician. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> right? They are just, but they're such happy guys. And there was, I was watching the end of their their game with Japan, and they were losing. And they're, you know, they're gonna lose against Japan. That was kind of a given. And the the pitchers out there, they're down by a bunch of runs. Bases are loaded, and the catcher and the manager go out to talk to the pitcher. They didn't pull him, but they all like looked so cheery while they were talking. <laughs> and you could tell it was something like, you know. We're gonna be losing anyway. Like, why pull you now? How just you kinda, feeling? Right. <laughs> you got you got enough left to just like finish the inning. Sure. Just hang out and smile and, and enjoy the uh, enjoy the experience. So, power to the check in folks. Um, do you remember? Uh, I think it was last off season we talked about, yeah, Roki Sasaki, Japanese pitcher. Yes. 20 years old to pitch a perfect game. But not only did he pitch a perfect game at 20 years old, but then his next start, he went through eight innings that were perfect. And for some reason they pulled him at that point because, geez, that's a lot of, you know, straight pitching. Sure. He is now 21 years old. And uh, he ha- at, had 66 pitches – which in, is like the limit in that, in that game. But of those 66, 21 were over 100 miles an hour. Good so he was, he was the pitcher against that check game, so the, the, or the starting pitchers. So the checks, you know, had a little bit to go up against. 21 pitches over uh, 100 miles an hour. And Japan clearly won that game 10 to 2, which is not, you know, it's not a mercy rule. So it wasn't a complete... Or, what, or whatever um, right. Smoltz was calling it, which I can't I remember. Know. It was something termination. It was supposed to be, I guess, less, you know, icky than Mercy Rule, but everyone knows it was a Mercy Rule, so everybody gave up calling it whatever that was. Yeah. Please let us know if you guys, because we spent a long time trying to figure that out. So Japan's doing well. The other eight RBI guys besides um, Yu Cheng are, at this point, Shohei Otani and Masataka Yoshida, which I'm very excited about because that would be our new Red Sox guy, so yay on that. So by the time you listen to us, you will know who the other team is coming out of Pool B. If Australia wins tonight, it's them, which is just blown. So they're playing Czech Republic tonight. If they win, they win. That means Korea doesn't go on, which is blowing everybody's predictions. But we'll see what happens. Uh, Lars Nupar playing Yay. on Japan, your guy. He is the first player or not born in Japan to represent Japan in the World Baseball Classic. Shout out to Infield Flag Girl for that. Tommy Edmond, another one of your guys, is the second player not born in Korea to be representing Korea. Uh, Jung Ho Lee, who's currently on the t- Korea team and is a uh, K- Korean, parents Korean, but was born in Japan while his father is playing for the Japanese uh, league, the NPB. So there's still a little bit more... Baseball breakfast, be- breakfast baseball happening this week with the semifinals for quarterfinals. Uh, yeah, that's it. Why did I write semis? Yep, let's change this to quarter. Thank you very much. I'm on the beer. Yeah, quarterfinals the beer. are happening Wednesday and Thursday morning. If you want to have breakfast with your baseball, Pool C. I was so excited to see Colombia pull off that win against Mexico. Mexico has been the favorite, but Mexico has several guys that we have kind of issues with. Reed, um, Randy Rosarena, and Alex Verdugo, who have both been, you know, implicated in various things that we just won't pick them for, for baseball boyfriends. Um, But Colombia has a beautiful team. You know, with with clearly with uh, the highlight of Jorge Alfaro and his glorious locks. Also, Harold Ramirez with glorious blue rock locks. We talked about him before with 
with the is with, it with the rays mm. and and he had blue you know blue hair a while back right. oh, is this because you know it's it's this you know for the rays he's like no it's for my son who has autism and i want it's blue is a color that represents that and i want to i want you to do what you just did i yeah. want you to ask me why my hair is blue so i can tell you that yep Yep, which is such a good thing. So yep. so I think the QHAR plus like the QHAR for good quotient definitely tips the scales toward Columbia. So I'm really hoping that Columbia continues to do well and that we see the U.S. and Columbia in Miami next week. Oh, that would be fun. who knows? Pool D, how about that Venezuela win? Wow. Beating Dominican Republic in that opener was crazy. So I, I don't know. We get to see two out of th- three out of – Puerto Rico, Venezuela, and DR, which two are going to go on? Uh, Rafael Devers is one of the Dominican players, you know, one of my favorite guys because he's a Red Sox. But he is playing DH, and apparently, and I, I hope this holds true, Alex Cora has said that he's not allowed to play first base. The, um, Nelson Cruz asked for permission to have Rafi as a backup first baseman, and Cora said no because if something happens to him, I want it to be while he's playing his natural position. So you can have him back up third to Manny, or you can huh. have him DH, but you can't have him on first base. Interesting. Yeah. So we're going to Miami. Did you guys have you guys heard? We're going to Miami next That's week. That's news to me. See, we're going to see a bunch of these teams play. We're going to see two out of those three. We're going to see U.S. and maybe Colombia or Mexico. We're going to see somebody coming over from Pool A or B. Who could it be? If we're not going to see Japan, like. Who knows? I had thought it was going to be the Netherlands, but that's not happening. We might, maybe we'll see Italy. Maybe we'll see Italy. That would be so cool. But the Marlins can't sell fucking tickets. So the Marlins called me last week. They called you? So uh, multiple times I filled out that form saying I am interested in World Baseball Classic tickets. Did they call you for every one of those times? No. So I got random emails once in a while saying, wait, like we're not like because at first they said, oh, they're going to be available in November and then December. And then they still haven't. And there, and there was that one time that we squoze in and barely got our tickets. But, you know, lately, every time I've checked, there's no tickets available on the Marlins website for the quarterfinals and the semifinals. So I get this call and I had gotten an email from them for Marlins season tickets. And so I was like, you know, folks, that's not what I'm interested in. So I get this call from Marlon's office. I was like, cut them off right away. You know, I'm not in Florida. I'm not interested in Marlon's tickets. And they said, oh, no, we're calling you because you filled out the form for the World Baseball Classic. And I said, yes, yes, I have. And I said, actually, we do have tickets. But for two of the nights, we have 300s and, you know, maybe would be interested in an upgrade. What can you offer? And they said, well, we can offer tickets in the 200s, but you have to buy 10. And I was like, well, 10 is a lot because I'm not in a group of 10. And they We're assured a group of four. Me, yes. And then they assured me, but not only do you buy a group of 10 tickets, you also, if you do this, have to buy the same group of 10 tickets to a Marlins game. And so what they were trying to talk me into was doing this, buying the tickets for the Marlins game, knowing that every other team is going to be played by the Marlins. And so there are pretty good chances that one of those will be in Miami. And so come to the World Baseball Classic with nine of your closest friends and then come back when your team is down here and have a lovely, you know, stay in Miami. I, um, I have a right. bone to pick with their marketing. Right. It seems like that's a hard sell it is. for, you know, out-of-towners and even locals. I mean, I don't know that I would I could do that here if we were doing that. Right. Well, and then they were clearly encouraging resale, 
which is why a shit ton of these World Baseball Classic tickets, like I think most people who are going from out of town have got them on StubHub because that's where they were. So I did a little bit of like math in the head and it just seemed like too much of a pain in the ass. Like if I were very entrepreneurial and focused and could get my shit together, this might be a good deal to buy all these tickets and sell them, but it's a lot of work and I'm not going to do that. I just want to go see a game in Miami, people. Yeah, you know what? I'm old and tired enough to think, you know what? We got, we're going to be in the ballpark. Mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm good. We have right. our airline tickets. We have our Airbnb. We have tickets to three World Ball Baseball Classic playoff games. We're in Little Havana where I hear there's food and drink to be had. I'm good. Yeah, we're living the dream. I'm good. The other um, thing that I really appreciate about the Marlins is when you look at their rules for what you can bring into (laughs) the ballpark, there's actually a long list of musical instruments that you're allowed to bring and a list that you're not. And may I just, I have one question to give to like the Marlins front Mm -hmm. office is if you can only bring in like clear bags, does that mean you've got to get a giant Ziploc for your trombone? Yeah, right. The, the, the lists were hysterical. I did, after you told me about that last night, I did peruse the list. And the allowable instruments, there are a shit ton that I've got to Google. Like, I don't know what these instruments are. Mm-hmm. There are some that I understand. The Guaida is the, the thing that you, like, the, the tin can thing that you rattle back and forth. I know that one. But there are a whole bunch that I didn't. But, yeah, that you can bring in a trumpet and a trombone. The band instruments... Included a vuvuzuela, which I'm fine with. Keep those out. Like, I can't deal with those. A kazoo. So you can bring a a trumpet, but you can't bring a kazoo into the stadium. And, like, you could smuggle a kazoo pretty easily, right? Well, not (laughs) if you have a clear clear bag. They're going to – that's what they're looking for, really. They're not looking for, like, any, like, you know, things that are, like, threatening in a terrorist way. They're just looking for kazoos. Looking for kazoos. Possibly cowbells. Are cowbells allowed? I don't know. I I don't know. It's got a roof. I hope not. Yeah. Well, they're they're allowed in Tampa. Yeah. I hope they they took the cowbell out. But interesting. Yep. We'll have to post those lists. Oh my gosh! So yeah, um, we are we're going to spend the rest of the day probably watching just so much baseball. Ooh. Our brains will fall out, yeah. which is pretty cool. We hope you're doing the same. Um, we're getting really close to being able to start the fantasy league. We can't do that oh. until we finish picking our boyfriends, which will be next week. And that way, um, players will. Uh, uh, players on the league will know who they can't pick. So you'll be hearing from me as soon as we have our boyfriends locked down for the rest of rest of our, our profiles for this season. Again, if you want to participate in our Fantasy Baseball League, please find us on social media. Where can they do that, Potty Mouth? You can hang out with us on Twitter. It's still there. It's still happening. We're the safe space in Twitter. Talk to us at <laughs> NCIB Podcast. You can find us at Facebook and Instagram at No Crying and B-Ball. You can also throw some money at us on Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash No Crying and B-Ball. And although we've been a little bit sparse with our Patreon ads lately, or not like ads meaning double D ad. Like Additional we're content. We're adding stuff. Yeah. Um, I foresee stuff going up next weekend because we're going to be drinking in Miami and I'm bringing a microphone and we have recording equipment. So, Yeah. Join our Patreon now if you want. Now's a good time. If you want to follow, follow our Miami escapades. If you're going to be in Miami next weekend for the quarterfinals, oh. um, we would love to see you. So please make sure you get boosted because otherwise it's a public health nightmare and nobody wants that. We want you to fight the man because the right thing to do. We want you to send your game balls to Meredith. And until next week, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth.
Medium fuzz. Medium fuzz? Medium fuzz. It's a bad comedy movie, right? 